0: The books on our shelves aren't just for decoration. We can read, too. This is the Veteran Wargamer. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I'm your host, Jay Arnold. Welcome to Episode 19. In this episode, I speak with Dave Tubbs about novels that inspire us to game. The Veteran Wargamer is brought to you by King's Hobbies and Games. As you know, King's Hobbies and Games is the premier dealer of premium gaming and modeling supplies for the discerning hobbyist. Whether you're looking for high-end paints such as Ammo by Mig, scale 75 and Secret Weapon, basing materials from Gamer's Grass, or figures and models from Special Artisan Service Miniatures, Tim at King's Hobbies and Games has what you need to take your gaming and modeling projects to the next level. Check out everything Tim has to offer at kingshobbiesandgames.com. That's kings hobbies and games. Dot com. And you'll notice in this episode I'm still ironing out some technical issues from a few weeks ago. I do apologize. There's some spots where my recording didn't go so hot and sounds kind of weird, but bear with it. It's only two, three minutes per segment, and then it turns out fine after that. Again, I do apologize, but it's it's worth getting through. After the break, my discussion with Dave and we're back once again i am joined by the louisiana lawyer the cajun counselor david tubbs dave tubbs how's it going
1: oh it's going but uh i was trying to think of a pithy catchphrase right there did an intro but it just couldn't come up at once. i'm it's going well but uh got the new kid just keeping me kind of brain dead so uh my biggest fan, Access and Aliens, the one guy that gives me positive feedback. So this is for you, bud. Uh, <laughs> I like him; he's fun. But uh, yeah.
0: Congratulations on the young one,
1: Dave. Yeah, thanks, bud. Uh, he's uh, a handful. Well, it's the I think it's the combination, the interaction between him and the the other one. That's the handful, to be mm-hmm. quite honest.
0: Yeah. Oh, I I fully I'm fully aware. I. I've got two of my own, my my son will be turning 7 here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh Yeah, an 11-year-old girl and a 7-year-old son will will make for some interesting times. They've they've been pretty interesting. The dynamic has been pretty interesting the last 3 or 4 years already, so it's just going to get better and better, I'm sure. Okay,
1: to turn this into a parenting podcast real quick. How old was your daughter when your son was born?
0: Uh, four and some change. Did she immediately
1: start just clinging to you for dear life?
0: Uh, to a certain degree. Well, she was kind of a little bit like that, because my son was born nine months and four days after I got back from Afghanistan. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> okay. she was kind of like that for a little bit anyway, because, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, she didn't have dad around for a year, no, so yeah. that that kind of wore off after a while. It'll It'll be all right. All right, so here we are. <laughs> Let's get started. <laughs> Top phase with Dave. that's me. Fiction section of the library edition. Absolutely. So so Dave and I have come up with a list of our five favorite novels that inspire us to game. And of course, like last time, we've got a couple, we've got a selection of honorable mentions as well. So just like last time, we're gonna talk about, so just like with the movie episode, uh, we're gonna talk about the novel in question, what we liked about it. We're also going to talk about some rules we might use and some figure lines that we might use to uh, realize this project, you know, this particular novel in Wargame table terms. So if you didn't listen to our previous Top phase with Dave, uh, go ahead and keep listening to this one. Go back and listen to Top Phase with Dave Goes to the Movies. Alright, so we're going to traipse through the stacks we're gonna take a look at the shelves at your local library or independently owned bookstore into the fiction section—science fiction, historical fiction, all that kind of stuff. Well,
1: those are typically different sections, but well, not in your library. I'm I'm sorry.
0: No, that's okay. Uh, fantasy, historical. Uh, heck, you could even do murder mysteries if you're so inclined. Heck, we'll just see where it takes us and let's jump right in with your number five. Okay,
1: my number five. Numero five oh. Now, I, I had to be let me preface all of this. Um I wrote up a big list and I was I was super stoked for this idea. As I said before, my a book nerd, and I wrote up a big list and I looked at it and I was like, this isn't a good list. This is just a list of books I like a lot. And um not to mention if I get on a podcast that people are listening to, everyone's gonna hate me for recommending all these all these books. I'm gonna look like a pretent- I'm going to look pretentious. So I had to shuffle some stuff around and try and really hone in. Same problem I had with the movies. Really try and hone in on like a piece of media that made me really want to just push little dudes around and, you know, play war. And number five. That being said, this is not my list of the greatest books ever written, but Books that make me want to uh, play these games. Number five, and I'm sure many, many people, many of your listeners will be familiar with this—the series. And I'm, now, bear with me. I'm not recommending a series per se, but a specific book in that series: the Sharps Rifle series. You aware of this series? Yes. Jay?
0: Very much so. Uh,
1: Bernard, what's his last name? I can always Cornwell. Cornwell. I always want to call him Cronwell. Here's my issue with this series. I love, I love the books. I, I found my first copy of the, that book those books in Iraq my first time in an MWR and um, really really fell in love with the books. Here's my issue. The book I'm recommending is Sharp's Rifles because sure. every single book after Sharp's Rifles is essentially Sharp's Rifles. The same thing sure. happens. Um, rugged Richard Sharp has an issue. Uh, finds a pretty woman, sleeps with said pretty woman. She either helps him overcome whatever problem is in the book or hampers his ability to do so. All, all the while, this very large Irish guy is just bashing all stuff with a big gun. Um, that being said, there's something to be said about a successful formula. They're very enjoyable to read. Massive battle lines. Massive, just everything involved. Um, the stakes are always crazy out outside of the realm of possibility sharp himself becomes responsible for uh building the massive fortifications in portugal he becomes pivotable, pivotal in waterloo he becomes pivotal, pivotal in trafalgar of all places it <laughs> it's so stupid it's, a, it's just a lot of fun and to be quite frank i like I'll, I'll read all of that guy's books. Um, I picked these specifically because it's kind of where I fell in, and those are, you know, the most enjoyable and the most well known. But you know, he has a TV series now from a couple of his books oh, yeah. about the Vikings, and uh, that you know, those are fun. And uh, he has a, a few about the Crusades. No, not the crusades, but uh, the French and English Wars, Hundred Years Wars. That that are really good. Mm-hmm. It's um. Oh, they're they're fun reads my wife uh refers to them as romance books romance novels for dudes because that's essentially what they are but um uh, yeah. need to say they're they're a lot of fun I'll uh, give you a little bit of an insight in the uh in that classical red coat English infantryman too which yeah. is a lot of fun you know
0: yeah the the sharp the sharp novels are without a doubt a whole lot of fun to read they're very evocative of the period um Maybe not a hundred percent accurate, but they're novels. You know, they're you know the authors allowed some artistic license in my and you know to my opinion, and yeah, they're they definitely can inspire one to get into some of those smaller actions. You know, not necessarily the big big huge battles, because although some of the big battles are described, mm. uh, there are quite a few small. You know, yeah. sharpness guys come up against. You know a band of about four or five Lancers mm-hmm. and you know, he burnt through about 20 pages talking about that. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's definitely, there's a little bit of everything. There's, a, there's a little bit of something for everybody. Mm-hmm. If you have even a passing interest in the Napoleonic period, yeah. in particular, the peninsular war.
1: Yeah, t- totally. Um, I'll only add to that. He also, I mean, the sheer amount of books in that series is, crazy but again they're all the same book (laughs) but um right he he will pick up sharp and put him in different places uh as i said before he had him on a boat in in trafalgar um essentially did the same thing but he had him in india explaining how he got his commission then now he ends up in um belgium with waterloo that's where that's where waterloo was right Mm -hmm. okay um he edit that in post um but you know it's they're very good uh they're, they're good fun reads. And I always recommend them. Although I have not seen that T V show that the BBC did and I've always meant to.
0: Yeah, it's it's decent. Yeah. It's decent. Um they do pretty well with the, with the resources they have available. Um you know, all the battles are shot at interesting angles so they can get away with, you know, recreating Talavera with, you know, two or three dozen dudes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, they're they're fun. They're a fun romp. They're about an hour and a half each, mm. so they're almost like mini movies in and of themselves. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's worth worth investigating mm. for sure.
1: <clears throat> that being now, all that I have never played Napoleonic miniature games, and I think we actually talked about this on the movie episode. Um, yeah. That I don't know rule sets for these games because no one around here. I,
0: I think. I think the perfect rule set is from Two Fat Lardies, yeah, and it's called Sharp Practice. The second edition of which came out in the last year, and is designed for exactly this type of this type of game. Really? Where you've got thirty, maybe maybe forty models per side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got units of ten to twenty character. Ten to twenty figures. You've got character figures, so you can do your Sharp yeah. and your, uh, and your Harper and all Obadiah Hakes will if you want to do him well, too. Well, and... So, well, I mean, at this point, they're all dead. But
1: yeah, just make believe land guess.
0: Spoiler alert. Yeah, Sharp's enemy. <laughs> oh, damn, you're right. Sharp's enemy is the is that is the book or movie episode, however you want to put it, that that has all Obadiah in it. Yeah. Sharp practice is where, is where you're going to look for that. Okay.
1: Now – And – Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, here's my issue with with that, right? Um, 30 guys, 30 guys, a lot of fun. I always like a skirmish game, even a bigger skirmish game. There's a, I'm from southern Louisiana. My my allegiance always kind of tilts towards France in any of these any of these stories. There's a small part <laughs> of me that says, ah. Eh, maybe maybe Sharp will lose this time and I, I don't I don't necessarily dread that possibility That all that said I gotta play France man and the the appeal of playing France in these games are those massive columns boom
0: mm-hmm. boom,
1: boom and it just forward with the infantry and forward with the cavalry and I don't. What's the game for, for the, the massive Napoleonic line game? What's that?
0: For a big for a big game like that, my recommendation would be one of two games. Everyone who's ever listened to this podcast already knows what, what I'm going to say. Commands and
1: Colors. Commands
0: and Colors. Napoleonics.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I had a feeling you were going there. I've never played it. I've seen you play it, but um, I have no idea yeah. how those rules work.
0: the The other option would be a game from Sam Mustafa named Blucher.
1: Luther. Blucher. Blucher. Blucher.
0: After, after the Prussian General. I haven't played it, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. So you got that going for you, which is nice. And, if yep. I'm not okay. mistaken, uh, it's designed to be played with, uh, with units printed on cards. Okay. So. They're cheap. Yeah. So <laughs> you wouldn't even have to you wouldn't even have to uh, get uh, get miniatures for it.
1: I'm uh, Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, miniatures are, are an issue with this game. Because if I am fighting for uh, the Emperor, that means I'm, I'm painting... Oh man, I can't paint those models. Of all the models to paint, the, all the armies to build, the Imperial French Army in, in that age, it's just a... Uh, oh man, I can't fathom that level of detail with that many people Well, you know? we'll, but we'll, we'll talk as you about that attitude i will never get here second. in a second
0: we'll talk about an alternative you might consider for this
1: but i'm going to jump forward
0: about 50 years okay american civil war okay my number five is going to be the killer angels by michael Sharra. okay uh the movie gettysburg killer... is is based on this novel it's and it's a really good book it it encapsulates the entire battle Couple days before and a couple of days after, also, and is it's a real it's a really quick read, also. You know, it kind of hits on key points here and there. Of course, it's got the the defensive little round top of the 20th Maine and Joshua Chamberlain and, and all that, and then it's got your your bigger bigger than life characters with Lee and Meade and everyone in between. Uh, it's a really really great book. Um, yeah, you know, I would probably. You know, a lot of people talk about the Red Badge of Courage being the quintessential yeah. American Civil War novel, but I think The Killer Angels might beat it out.
1: You think it surpasses it's a Stephen Crane, right? Yeah. That's, that's a hefty, that's a hefty climb. Yeah, I um, No, I mean I, I don't doubt you. I just haven't I haven't read it. Um, may I ask, like, whose perspective is it? From? It's it's everybody.
0: Like I said, it jumps around okay. from, you know, down at the regimental level with with Chamberlain to Lee and Meade and their division commanders and jumping back and forth mm-hmm. and it, it, it's pretty comprehensive. It's pretty comprehensive. And if you've seen the movie Gettysburg, that's that's yeah. pretty much how the book goes.
1: Let me ask you this. Do I need an encyclopedic knowledge of Civil War <laughs> history in order to get that book? No, no. I don't have that. No, not at all. Okay. No, not at all. Okay. It,
0: it's, I mean, it's it explains what it needs to and if you've got a little bit more knowledge of the Battle of Gettysburg, the, they say the Battle of Gettysburg has had more written on it than any other American battle. I see and, that. And I believe it. But yeah. I've, I've read quite a bit on Gettysburg. It's, it's definitely the Civil War battle that I've read the most about. Um, yeah. it, could be, it could be that I've read more about Gettysburg than any other battle in any other war period. Um,
1: okay.
0: I'm not going to... I'm not going to consider myself an expert by any means, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely a good book. It, it ranks up there. I'm not going to say it counts as history, but it's a pretty good mm-hmm. accounting of the history, if that makes sense.
1: No, I understand. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of books I, I feel that way about, that is, they're, they're a fun read of like a specific incident. You can't, you can't base historical knowledge off of that. Now, I was a history major in undergrad. Uh, you, you definitely can't... You definitely can't base your knowledge of Thermopylae off a of Gates of Fire. No. Um, but, if, if it gets people interested, it's a fun little intro to it. Now, you just said something interesting. I'm curious. You seem like the kind of guy who may this, this question may re- re- resound with. Just out of curiosity, do you have a favorite battle in the Civil War, Jay? I uh, probably promote well, Gettysburg. Gettysburg? Fair enough. I like what is that the battle of the um, the crater that's it battle of the crater uh, I think that'd be I'm sorry that that would have been at uh, the siege of Petersburg then wouldn't it I don't know <laughs> yeah. all I know is the story Um, they the sappers came in they planted all the explosives they blew up they tried to blow up part of the wall but it created that massive crater mm-hmm. and for some reason the union just ran into the hole yeah and and sat there.
0: Yeah, and got All shot him. Right. Yeah, it was Seizure Petersburg. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a Civil War scholar by any means. I'm sorry. I said I'm not a Civil War scholar by any means, and I've definitely focused my reading on Gettysburg.
1: Well, I, obviously, I'm not either. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and, but when I say I was a history major, I, I need feel I need to caveat that with European history. Right. Uh, but uh, I do like the Battle of the Crater. Um. Huh? There's a movie that that was featured in in the very opening scenes. I'm not sure which one it was, though. Hmm. But you can see the the Confederate troops just throwing rifles with bayonets like spears yeah. into the hole. Uh, I cannot remember what movie that is. All
0: right, for the rules, I'd probably go with Regimental Fire and Fury for a little bit lower level uh, game. And With a game like that, you're not going to do the entire battle because that would be just too huge. But you could do the fighting at Little Round Top. You could do, you know, in the southern end of the line. You could do the Devil's Den and the Peach Orchard, for example. Uh, you, I wouldn't want to do Pickett's Charge because that's kind of a, uh, I don't know, kind of a bad deal. That first day would provide would provide some pretty <laughs> pretty fascinating uh, gaming uh, where the where yeah. the cavalry columns meet in. You know, just west of the town.
1: That's supposed to be what lost Lee the war, the battle, right? Right. right.
0: And every, you know, the high tide mark or high water mark of the Confederacy, they call it. And it's, it's a, if you go to the battlefield, it's a, yeah. it's a pretty sobering experience. It really is. Um, because yeah. you can see what, what's great about going to Gettysburg battlefield is you can, see, they've got markers showing where. Each individual regiment was during mm. during a particular point in the battle mm. and there there's not a lot of space between the different markers for the different regiments so they're they're packed in pretty quick pr- pretty close mm. and it's I, I think any person mm. that's halfway interested in military history that gets to the North American continent or is on the North American continent owes it to themselves to go to Gettysburg at least once in their lifetime
1: mm-hmm Absolutely, uh, I I don't think I've ever made. It's, it to it's worth the in trip. My it's worth the oh. trip.
0: It's about what hour Where'd and a that? half, two hours outside of DC. So you can take in DC, get up to Gettysburg, you go another hour cool. in hour fifteen, and you're in Hershey. Yeah, chocolate factory. Can't go wrong.
1: That'd be fun
0: for the figures. You. Um, I've got some of the back of six millimeter stuff that I've done absolutely nothing with, and for your Napoleonic mm. project, that could help also. Uh, using the smaller, using the small scale stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. We talked about it the other day. That really gets you into scale. Absolutely. Or like you could do the three millimeter stuff, in
0: pico massive. armor, and either one of those, you can definitely get an impressionistic yeah. view, and really, really focus on the units, not on the individual figure. And the good thing about Civil War stuff is, if you're doing, for the mm. most part, you're doing Union stuff. You're doing, you know, blue jackets and slightly lighter blue pants, and then you're done yeah you know a couple dots for flesh where flesh needs to be and yeah there you go
1: on to yeah, your yeah. number four number four yeah no introduction needed i picked the hobbit hobbit yeah you can't sing the praises of the hobbit enough now i picked the hobbit specifically despite the lack of reoccurring battles they do have the one big battle and i think it's called what battle of the five armies I picked that over Lord of the Rings despite the, the numerous, many numerous other battles because quite honestly, I cannot finish the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I just can't do it, man. No matter how much I want to try and how much people tell me I have to and how much it's ingrained in nerd culture to have read and enjoy those books, I can't get past all the elf songs. Like once I'm at the fifth elf song, I just shut down. I'm even a guy who loves Tom Bombadil. I love the idea, of the character, so forth, so on. But the damn elf, elf songs just just kill me, and it's just so slow. But the Hobbit's different. The Hobbit, it seems, is a book designed to just provoke imagination, you know, mm-hmm. and that desire to just go out there in the and the wonder, lesson, and adventure, all encapsulated in Bilbo Baggins, the Hobbit, you know, and. Right. There's, i remember when i read that book i might have been 15 and my mother had give me a copy of it and it had illustrations from that 70s cartoon oh man i, I stayed up <laughs> i started reading that book i don't know at what time in the evening but i did not finish i did not put that book down until i had finished and it was all the way through the night i i, I read it from cover to cover without pause until the the sun came up and i was absolutely fascinated with it and I loved it to death and I have fond memories of that book even today you know and I'm not going to regale your listeners with the story of what happens in the Hobbit everybody knows what happens in the Hobbit and if you don't go read the book no spoilers there um, they find a ring but what yep. stuff you know that it's required reading um, all that said, I, I, I love the Hobbit and whenever I think of uh, fantasy war gaming it's the first thing that comes to mind whenever i I. I Read a story about it or anything like that. That's always what pops up. Luckily enough, and I haven't played it, but there's a specific game just for those characters. Uh, right. I don't know if you can play Bilbo in it though, honestly.
0: Yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure. I think they I think they came out with a Hobbit expansion for it. I'm not I'm not an expert by any means, so yeah. we'll uh we'll take a look and then if they've got it, I'll put it in the show notes. How about that?
1: Well, needless to say, it's too it's price prohibitive. You can't play that game anymore. Um, if you either got got into that game when it came out, or you're just left in the dirt uh, dust, if you ask me. Um, but mm, there are workarounds. Um, what's the, what is the, the there was the Warhammer Fantasy game, which kind of correlates with all that stuff. And yeah. then they killed the Warhammer Fantasy and produced with Age of Sigma. Yep. Age of Sigmar now seems more Hobbit-esque. You've got, where's you got? It's basically a skirmish game. You know, you got a, a group mm-hmm. of what, 10-15 guys, a bunch of dwarves and a Hobbit and a wizard, and they go do stuff. That's that was the appeal of The Hobbit. Not so much the big lines fighting each other. And you got that with Age of Sigmar. You got it with I can't, countless other games. Um, off the top of my head and look at the show notes you got what they're redoing Mordheim now which is the fantasy equivalent of Necromunda. am i right yeah. in that
0: i'm not sure if they're redoing it it wouldn't surprise me um so yeah that's that's definitely an option Mordheim's out there uh there's some other non-gw stuff uh song of blades and heroes for example from yeah. from games that's definitely an option
1: yeah, I uh, uh, my my knowledge of uh fantasy uh miniature games is admittedly very sparse. I know they have another one that we've played a couple times and it was an Osprey game with the Wizards and Ice City and what's that called?
0: Oh, uh Frostgrave.
1: That's it. Um uh, my one problem with Frostgrave is that your whole gang, your whole group doesn't advance. I really I, I really do enjoy a skirmish game where you're invested in the in the skirmish, and it continues, mm-hmm. and your guys get better. And we have some games like that coming up later, but um, in Frostgrave, it's just that wizard that gets better, right? And it it can lose flavor pretty quick if you ask me. But it's, it is a fun game. I like the system. Yeah, and it would it would mesh well with the the hobbity type stuff. There there is a certain appeal to specifically hobbit stuff, mm-hmm. right? And you know you get those. You get fantasy models anywhere. Very good.
0: Well, that brings us yeah. to my number four, which is, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick two because they're it's the same topic. That's Team Yankee by Harold Coyle, and Red Storm Rising by Tom Clancy. Um, growing up in the 80s, like I did, you know, the Red Menace was out there. You know, the day after World War III could start at any second. You know. You know, I was I was the perfect age demographic for Red Dawn when it came out. You know, it's very interested to hopefully not see a shooting war break out with the Soviet Union, but if it happened, man, we were gonna we were gonna put it to them Ruskies. But
1: uh, no, both books. Yeah, let me ask you a question. Okay, you're you're yes. in Illinois, right? Well, no, you were in oh, wherever you were. When you saw Red Dawn. Where were you gonna go? I was yep. gonna go to the swamp. Where well, were you going? I go? was
0: in San Antonio, so I didn't actually think that far ahead. <laughs> I was twelve well, okay. when I saw it in the in the no. theater. My dad took us to okay, see it. Enough. And yeah. Um, I guess I would have gone to the hill country. I don't know. It's the thing is if if a shooting war had started with the Soviets. San, I already knew that San Antonio was going to get nuked right off the bat because of all the because <laughs> of all the military bases there. So, I guess I didn't figure mm-hmm. that I needed to worry about going anywhere. You know, wherever the wind took
1: me. except you your fate. <laughs>
0: um,
1: okay. Now I had whole scenarios oh, planned sure. out in the swamp, man.
0: <laughs> you and Jerry Reed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh no, Red, Red Storm Rising is a much bigger picture uh, view of a possible war in Central Europe in the mid-80s. Uh, Team Yankee is very much Worm's Eye View, you know, a, a reinf- basically a reinforced tank company, and what that unit goes through. Uh, any micro-armor game will do. Um, I'll have some more on that later. Not later in this episode, but later. I'm not sure of anything that would suit my purposes for the naval stuff that's in Red Storm Rising. I I've heard that Mm. a lot of the a lot of naval scenarios, especially in Red Storm Rising, came out of uh, games of Harpoon. And everything I've I've never played Harpoon, but everything I've heard about Harpoon says that it takes forever to play. So I'm not uh, Harpoon is, is it's just a modern modern naval combat game. It's very oh, wow. process-oriented. Um, as for the aerial combat stuff, and there is a lot of aerial combat in Red Storm Rising, I'd probably go with Check Your Six Jet Age, which which I played is a lot of fun, although I could also see myself modifying uh, the X-Wing Miniatures rules. Uh, as far as... Which I've done You've for World done. War II, yes. Uh, for figures, yeah. I'm doing... I'm doing Pico Armor, and no, they're not paying me to say this. You know, John <laughs> John Sweeney from Pico Armor was my last guest, but no, I'm not. I'm not getting paid to to stump for Pico Armor. I I, I do like the small scale. Yeah, you stuff.
1: have suggested those What's models that? a few times. Did <laughs> so you have suggested a those times, yeah. a few times? I
0: do like the small scale stuff. Um, I meant to look them up. If push came to shove, you know, you've got two choices basically. As far as I'm concerned, for your six mil stuff, and that's either that's either GHQ or PFC CNC. The CNC stuff is not quite as nice, mm-hmm. but it's a good bit cheaper. So, you know, yeah, in our hobbying, we gotta we gotta take that into consideration. Uh, GHQ is your only choice for the naval stuff, though. They are the best, hands down. Um, a little cashy, but.
1: Is that just modern stuff? No, or for the stuff. Is stuff that yeah, all kind of.
0: They're okay. they're the best. They're just simply the best. And, but the good thing with GHQ is you get what you pay they... for. You're paying a premium, but you're getting a premium product. On to your number three.
1: Number three. Now, I mentioned in the beginning that I had to unpretentious my list a bit, throwing some stuff that necessarily wasn't the best book but a book that made me want to want to play these games. This, that's my excuse for throwing this out there. This is my entry and yep. you have one later with the Black Library yep. stuff that um, I'm sure everybody who is, I cannot imagine somebody listening to this podcast who doesn't know what I'm talking about, but Black Library is the publishing arm of what well, the, the fiction publishing yep. arm of um, Games Workshop. And they, man, they will just drown, <laughs> drown the world in books if you let them. And, um uh, but of all the, um, Space Marine books, Inquisition books, the random Three Sisters of Battle books, even the Necromunda books, man, I read them all. I, I devour these books. And it's kind of like Bubblegum. Whenever you you sit there and you read very condensed, horrible stuff for a living, it's quite relaxing to pick up just yeah. <laughs> a trash novel, you know? And, um, it's not to, not to detract from them. They're very. Some of them are very, very well written, some of, but some of them aren't. The Sisters of the Battle books are kind of wanting in a few areas. My favorite books though, in the Black Library series, are always the Imperial Guard books. And that's probably because I was once in the army and I can kind of empathize with some of these guys sometimes. Of the Imperial Guard books, Gaunt's Ghosts are good, but my problem with Abness, he doesn't really focus on character development. So you got Gaunt, who's this hard ass, forgive my language, and he just stays that way throughout the whole books. So even when he's on the Chaos World, he comes back. He's just even more extreme and more terse and hard. Um, like a book with character development. And that's why I picked, somewhat really obscurely, a book called Iron Guard in the Black Library catalog about, I'm probably going to pronounce this incorrectly, the Mordian Iron Guard specific um, regiment of Imperial Guard guys. And they wear those snazzy dress yeah. uniforms in combat. And that book made me start buying those models. And I'm here to tell you, those are expensive <laughs> models. <laughs> because yeah. they're all metal. They, they, don't, they don't really cast them anymore. So if you want to buy them somewhat on the cheap, you have to go to eBay and you got to buy the uh, really shoddily painted guys and you got to drench them in cleaner and clean them off and paint them. I'm telling you, my Morty Nine guy, Guard guys look good. The one problem I have with them, I, and it's a big problem if you ask me. Is after I painted them, painted a few of them, I took a step back and I looked at them and I saw those semi-light blue pants with that red stripe, that dark, dark, dark blue coat, and that hat, and I was like, oh my God, I have Marines on my table. (laughs) And I almost scrapped the whole project, man. I'm not joking in the slightest. I am not kidding at all that that was very a very disappointing moment for me
0: <laughs> oh goodness
1: <laughs> it, it, it was it was yeah it was a moment but i decided to stick with it anyway i'll i'll put some disclaimer on on the box when i carry them around but um uh, other than that there's another good one i like uh it's good it's it's, it's fun it's it definitely has that feel of I'm an imperial guard trooper, and the universe hates me. And life is short and brutal, and everything sucks. It's called Fifteen Hours, mm-hmm. and it was a very brief release, um, a long time ago. And it's you know basically about a guy who just, you know, it's the classic new guy story. Right. He gets out of basic, he gets to the unit. It's platoon, right? Right. He gets out of basic, he gets to the unit. He's green. A veteran kind of takes him under his wing. No, I'm thinking. I'm reading. I'm. That's the plot for him. Iron Guard. Well, you know, it's the plot for all of them. <laughs> it's the plot for 15 hours, too. Um, and he shows him the ropes. He starts to get better, and he dies. Bam. Or he, you know, in, more in in Iron Guard, the new guy triumphs and becomes a veteran. In 15 hours, he manages to exceed the life expectancy of 15 hours. And that's like a spiritual win for him. But he still dies. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Honorable mention in that category, the Cyphus Kane novels. I'll do, have you ever read those? I have not. The, the premise is is a commissar. You know about commissars, I assume. Yeah. Oh. In 40K, they're, they're effectively a carbon copy of the Soviet commissar who you know, shoots his own guys in the back to keep him going forward. Um, well, there was a short story about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago about a commissar called Cyphus Kane. And I fell in love with that short story. It was in um White Dwarf. Okay. And it was all about how this commissar was an absolute coward. And all he did was try and get away from combat. But in a um Mr. Bean at not Mr. Bean, Mr. Magoo-esque uh series of adventures, he actually becomes, you know, running away from this, he runs into that and stumbles into it, knocks it over, and it dies, you know he just kind of fumbles around and makes himself a hero. And it was such a popular short story that they turned it into a series, I don't know, nine books. And they're all they're all fun to read, but unfortunately they lost the gimmick. Mm-hmm. If they would have kept that, it would have been a much better series of books, but instead they turned him into this unwitting hero. He doesn't want to do it, but he'll do it just to get through it. Yeah, As before, he just was trying to get away at all costs. And that was the really fun part of that. But I, yeah, I'll I'll stop there but that does get us into the rule set for these kind of games, and that is unabashedly Warhammer 40,000. Yep. The first game I ever started playing, my, my, my best and brightest, you know, it's, it's the game. That's the game everybody plays. And now there's a new rule set.
0: Yep, Yep. By the time when this episode comes out, the new 8th edition will officially release two days later. Or the next day, depending on what slice of the earth you're on. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to, to Eighth Edition. Um, I've kind of been kicking around some ideas to modernize Warhammer forty thousand,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and I'll I'll talk about those later at some point. Um, yeah. yeah, I've got I've got two of the Army List books already pre-ordered mm-hmm. from an yeah. online retailer. I'm going in with a local kid to split a, a box set. He's getting oh, models. I'm getting the book. I'm definitely going to be downloading the the free core rules that they're gonna that they're mm-hmm. gonna offer. So, yeah, I'm very excited to see what they do with it. Um, everything I've seen, I... everything I've seen just looks like it's it's gonna be. I'm not gonna sit here and say that it's gonna be the best gaming experience ever, but it's gonna make 40k playable and fun again.
1: I think it it just might. I've I've had the opportunity to look at the the rules, you know, and look at the box set. I've done so, I've done some work for some of the guys that own shops in these areas, and they they're already getting their stuff in so yeah. they can know what to order, you know. And uh, I've looked through those books, and I got to tell you, man, hand hand combat's coming back. Mm-hmm. All the way back in like second edition when, when I started, if you got that group of corn berserkers to the other side of the table, you won that game. There was no question about it. You just bounced from one guy to the other and there was a lot of danger in hand to hand combat. Yeah. And it's it's coming back. And I'm I like to play armies that shoot stuff, but that that threat made the game a lot of fun. It's coming back. It's like a bunch of interesting rules that are that are coming back and it's yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'll say that.
0: Yeah, I am looking forward to it. Uh I'm looking forward to well, this weekend after this after this episode drops we'll be going to kansas city and i'll be stopping into my favorite game store in the world tabletop gaming hobby and i'm gonna be looking hard at what they have (laughs) and yeah well i'm i'm not gonna say i'll be walking out with a big armful of uh 40k stuff but i'm gonna be walking out with something so who are you gonna play uh well i gotta do guard i've got i've got about 200 metal of the original metal Cadians. Okay. Uh, about, I got about 80 of them actually painted.
1: Um, well, yeah. That's, that's good out of 200. Man. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's, you know, that that's the kind of average that wins world series. So, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, what really piqued my interest with the, with 40 K in the last year or so is the return of the gene stealer cults.
1: Yeah. So, oh man, yeah. I played against them. Um not in the new forty K obviously, but um, they're brutal.
0: Yeah, I I'll definitely be looking at Gene Stealer cults because I like Gene Steeler Gene Stealers, I like Imperial Guard, two great tastes that taste great together. Gene yeah. Stealer cult.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good point.
0: So speaking of science fiction. Yes, yes. Let's go from science let's go from space fantasy to science fiction. Right. and my number three is the Honor Harrington series by David Weber and there are folks that are crazy about this series there are folks that aren't, aren't so crazy about this series I like the series uh, follows the career of a space navy officer as she gains uh, gains responsibility and rank uh, the earlier books are more combat intensive The later books are more politically intensive, Mm. so we'll stick with the earlier ones. Um, There's just a lot of neat concepts that are explored in the books. Weber gets kind of down in the weeds with how some of the technology works, at least, Mm. you know, theoretically should work. And there's some neat things like the, the missiles that they fire at each other don't have traditional explosive warheads. Uh, a lot yeah. of them are either just straight up nukes or they have a nuclear explosion pumped laser array, basically. So it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, or they admit some type of high frequency radiation or, you know, any number of other specialty warheads. It's just really interesting.
1: Is this um, what they but, refer to as hard science fiction?
0: It, it is hard science fiction. It's, it's still a little fantastical. But it, it does lean towards the hard SF angle.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, the rules of choice for me are always going to be Full Thrust from GZG. Full Thrust is it's it's my go-to for any time any type of space combat game. Uh, they just okay. work. They do what I want them to do. And heck, they're they're free to download. They've been free to download for about the past five years. Um, hmm. Just a great set of rules. Uh, a friend of mine, Adam, he's he's developed his own rules to bolt it onto full thrust to play Honor Harrington games, and really, yeah, they're a lot of fun. He brought it up to my game weekend. Uh, oh, probably about th- oh, it was about three years ago now. Um, it's just a whole lot of fun. Uh, the figures there were some official ship models that were you know actually uh, actually licensed from uh, David Weber uh, made by a company called Ad Astra Games. I don't think they're actually made anymore, so they might be hard to come by, but I bet if a guy were to go out onto Shapeways or Thingiverse, he could find uh, 3D printed models or the files to throw into a 3D printer to make those ships
1: happen. How, How big are these models? What's the scale we're talking about here? The
0: scale are one to twenty thousand.
1: That that doesn't mean anything to me. Huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the well, your small destroyers are about an inch and a half long, and then your big okay. dreadnoughts are five and a half six inches long, and then All everything right. in between. All right. The only downside, and again, it's hard sci-fi, so there's no fighters because when yeah. you think about them, fighters don't really make sense in a in that context so that's that's yeah, I guess you're right that that's a downside to the to the universe as far as playing games because I do like my fighters and,
1: mm. yeah
0: but uh mm. yes
1: what what about um oh man on uh, the GW game um what is what, that
0: Battlefleet gothic
1: yeah are are they redoing that too
0: I think I've heard some rumblings along those lines. Am I just making that up? No. Um, the thing is, now that you mention it, Battlefleet Gothic might work better than some f- folks would initially think because mm-hmm. a lot of times they're firing broadsides in Honor Harrington with their energy weapons. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you do in, in Battlefleet Gothic is fire yeah. broadsides. Space boats. So, yeah, it's... You know, it's uh, and, and David Weber has straight up said that he's taken a lot of his inspiration from, uh, Napoleonic naval combat. Yeah. So, if you want to say it's you know age of sail and space, then so be it. But, you know, hey, if if the shoe fits, right?
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, I was talking about elves in space, right? Uh... Yeah. Why not? <laughs> so,
0: that brings us back to back to earth
1: for your yeah. number two I mean I guess if I was you said 50 years in the future I'm about well, I was at 40k so 40,000 years prior to that um, now here's where my my pretentious picks really are going to stand out because these are the big picks number two and number one um, for number two I'm a Hemingway nerd um, I, I've read everything he's written I'm I'm a big fan of Ernest Hemingway, um, and I picked number two for whom the bell tolls. Now, one of the things I, I noticed when I was picking these these books that the great novels that I picked um, tended to be kind of depressing. You know, uh, we had you know Johnny Get Your Gun, Cash 22, which is I guess quasi depressing depending on how you interpret that book. Um, Company K, a bunch of others, just bad stuff happens because the great books about war, about tragedy, and this, this book is no different. For whom tolls is classic Hemingway ripping the heart out and just giving you a slice of life as it is at its worst. And he fought, well, questionably, he fought in the Spanish Civil War. So this novel is basically based on his experience as a, an American expat fighting for the Republican side against the fascists and for whom the tolls. It follows a guy named Robert Jordan who um, basically, not having uh, thought about it, kind of follows the track of Richard Sharp, right? Rugged individualist, there to make his mark, finds a pretty woman, falls in love, she has a tragic story, um, can't get the mission accomplished, can't blow up the bridge, uh, the fascists come. And it ends with, with a really remarkable scene with, with Robert Jordan just soaking in life for the last few moments that he can because he's decided to sacrifice himself so the guerrillas can get away and he can pop one last fascist officer before they get to him. And it's, I can't sing the praise of this book enough. Um, close second, maybe farewell to arms. Mm-hmm. But here's a problem. Not a lot of games about the Spanish Civil War.
0: No, not specifically. Anyway. Uh, you got you to modify no. stuff or you got to bolt on stuff.
1: Yeah, there is one book that I have found with a rule set for it. And granted, I am I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge like you do about these games, or their designers, or any of that. I'm sure you might be able to fill me in, or some of your listeners can fill me in. Um, Spanish War's been, a, been a I wouldn't say a passion of mine, but an interest of mine for a very long time. But there is one book call, from Osprey called A World of Flame. Mm-hmm. And it is specifically set, while not in Spain, but in that period, uh, in between the wars, where there's a lot of political dis- discontent, some rebellions going on all over the world, and there's a specific army list for your your fascists or your phalangists, and then your anarchists in in Barcelona and all that stuff. And th- that's kind of the the fun of that setting is those various different competing factions. You got the you got the republicans with the communists and the anarchists and the, the republicans and everybody else on one side then you have the fascists on the other with who have troops from africa it's it's a remarkable setting so the ability to play a game in that setting really just kind of clings to me i don't know um where you would find models for this i have no clue i guess world war ii models from any any distributor you could modify to fit but then you're going to miss some of the appeal of you know, the militia guys or the the guerrillas you know I don't know where one would find models for that oh
0: there's a there's a couple different companies that make uh, partisans yeah um with both German you know German British and Russian weapons so it's it's possible they're out there yeah um hmm. it's certainly doable um yeah a lot of early World War once st- or World War Two stuff well actually some World War One stuff also in certain cases yeah um you could do fifteen mil easily enough and get away with it. Uh, mm. it it's out there. It's not huge like World War Two, of course, but it's out there. Um, for yeah. well, Bruce, I, I know there's some folks who have taken the Two Fat Lardies Chain of Command and list mm. and made Spanish Civil War lists for it. So it's again, it's yeah. doable. It can be done.
1: Well, yeah. on that note, I have a, um, a buddy who. Um, Created a rule set for the Spanish Civil War. I played it a few times. It's just interestingly, it's fun enough. Um, he created an entire rule set for the Spanish Civil War. Um, yeah. he's much more into it than I am. He's toured the battlefields. Um, I don't know where he get. I don't. He has these little, the the smallest miles, not three millimeter, but ten millimeter. Yeah. And um, he, he he's got them all done up. One thing I will say about that is. Modeling Republican armored vehicles is remarkably easy because they look like boxes all with wheels on them. Anything they could slap a, a slab of iron on, they just slap it on. What's your number two, But
0: My number two. We're going back to space opera, mm-hmm. the grim darkness of the far future, and that is the Eisenhorn trilogy by Dan Abnett. And...
1: Not not quite one book, but yes, yeah, it's,
0: it's the whole trilogy. That's fine. You you took the entire Sharp series, and I think there's approximately thirty eight books in it. So, well,
1: I did I did encapsulate that entire experience into <laughs> one book. But I'll give you thirty divided by 10, 3. Okay, yeah. let's do that. I'm not sure how that math works. That's we'll, all right. We'll say well, it. Well,
0: that's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, the Eisenhorn trilogy follows a a particular inquisitor. Uh, in the Imperium, and it, it's a pretty neat look at the life and times of a particular dude and his adventures across the the grim darkness of the far future. It, it really, it really evoked something in me, uh, and there's definitely an interest there to maybe looking at doing something along those lines. One of the cool things about the Inquisitor subset of 40kdom is there are there's a lot of people on Facebook. There's a lot of groups on Facebook that are um, all about exploring that uh, even further. Mm. And uh, yeah, you know, a, a term that's used a lot is Inquisimunda, which basically you're taking the some of the concepts in Inquisitor and melding them with Necromunda. And okay using the smaller figures, the 28mm figures, instead of the 54mm figures that they used for Inquisitor. Because Inquisitor Mm -hmm. kind of bridged the gap between RPG and Miniatures Skirmish game.
1: A lot more
0: heavily.
1: There's a specific game that GW made, that's Inquisitor? Yeah,
0: yeah, it was... uh, they, They got the idea that they wanted to do a game using you know, showpiece models, fifty-four 54 millimeter tall models. So that, you know, your your average Joe Schmuck was stood about two inches tall. Now some of the figures they had were well above that, of course. You know, they had a yeah. they had an Inquisitor in Terminator armor called Tyrus, who was you know, that figure yeah. was easily sixty even sixty-five millimeters tall when all was said and done. And you had yeah. You know, you'd have three or four, maybe five figures total in your warband. And, you know, the intent mm-hmm. was you would lavish time and and whatnot on the figures. Well, it didn't really take off all that much. It was kind of designed to be yeah. a collector's game, and mm-hmm. I don't think they actually supported it for very long and then they they kind of sh- shelved it away and 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 let it go. But a, a, a group of folks or a couple of different groups of folks have kept it going. Focusing on twenty-eight millimeter figures instead of the fifty-four, and their their range is so vast, both with the plastic and metal figures, that you can do just about
1: anything you want. Well, according to the fluff, like the Inquisitors, like they're supposed to look yeah. different. So I can't imagine a model that, as long as it's not an alien, you can probably fit it in a warband. You know? Yeah,
0: and even in some cases, you even if it is an alien, you can fit it in. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um. Yeah. It's it's a. It, it's a very
0: rich vein to be tapped and yeah it's it, it's almost unlimited what you can do once you get into it and you know i would probably stick with necromunda with some with some slight modifications uh, i'd stick with the 28 mm. mil stuff you know i've got a bunch of the old rogue trader era adventurers and space pirates so i'd be you know definitely going down that road. Um, mm-hmm. Now if you wanted a, something a little bit more more recent, a little bit more up to date, you know we're looking at maybe using rogue stars for your rules.
1: Mhm. It's a fun game, although keeping track of all those counters is is a yeah. task. You got to keep track of pins, you might get 15 pins on a guy. It's wounds, stress, yeah. But it, it is a fun game.
0: And of course, you know they did Shadow War Armageddon which is the their retread of Necromunda. And of course they've got Kill Team also, but I think Kill Team's actually going away with uh, with eighth edition, so we'll we'll see. But now you're talking about open play and narrative play with eighth edition forty K. So there's yeah. those are some options also.
1: I was gonna say have you played Armageddon yet? I've not. It's a fun game. It is. It's not quite Necromunda, but it's, it's uh-huh. a fun game. When you got a big group of people and they're all you're all advancing. Like as I was speaking to before, that advancement of your individual guys, that that slight meld of RPG and miniature yeah. game, it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I I mean, there's there's definitely something you know. I'd like to do something like that. on know not necessarily a long term basis, but I'd like to do something like that over the course of you know six or eight sessions. I mm. think that could be fun. You know, build a narrative. You know, build a narrative story that you can turn into you know, well, turn into a novel of your own if you wanted to. and uh there's definitely there is definitely potential for that when you're talking you know the small skirmishy stuff based in the 40k universe because it's i mean there's i hate to say that there's something for everyone but they've they've set it up so there is just about something for everyone you know Mm -hmm. but
1: if you like squats then there's nothing for you (laughs) at all, <laughs> nothing, except for that one model they came out with recently
0: oh, that's that you really cut to the bone there
1: that's an old woman, <laughs> huh? <laughs> alright, maybe maybe one day Um, I'm still waiting for my plastic sisters, man me and the squatch right. lovers we'll just hang yeah. out and be sad yeah. together
0: yeah, I don't know they, they've got that one plastic kit that's a female in power armor you'd think that maybe they'd get something else out
1: you think, you think they're gonna make Sisters of Silence which is an army no one's ever heard of yeah in plastic just wholesale make it new why not right why not yeah. make something that people are actually you know? oh, I, I could complain uh. <laughs> but you
0: complain never
1: <laughs> Well, yeah at this point I've already got my stuff so if they, if they came out with yeah. it I, I would kind of be upset uh, <laughs> at this point I like the barrier because I'm the only one that plays it like if they came out with Plastic Sisters tomorrow, then there's gonna be five other guys at the shop that play Sisters, and I'm, it's just not gonna, I won't be unique anymore, you know.
0: No, you would because you'd have the metal models.
1: You're right, you're right. I'd have it's the like old... if I
0: took my all metal, if I took my all metal Imperial Guard up to the yeah, war, you know. Uh, and it's one of the situations where you're an old hand like you, like you or me, you know. You dare someone to say something that's, you know, say something <laughs> like, That's not a GW model." Oh. <laughs>
1: Yeah, true you enough. smack them over the
0: head with their, with your 1998 green cover catalog. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's time for
1: number one. Numero uno. Insert drum roll. Um, I picked. Well, I had some problem with this one, but I picked. Well, here's my the process of my thinking. First number one has to be Les Miserables, best book ever written in any language, bar none. I don't care if you send me hate mail. Um, Then I was like, well, does that does that make me want to play miniature games, or is that just the best book ever written? And I said, well, maybe it doesn't. So let me look at another one in the same vein, Three Musketeers, also another fantastic book that does make me want to play models, but that's a specifically a very skirmishy type game. And then I thought about it a moment. And I thought about Les Miserables and the de- depiction of Waterloo and, and in the graveyard where the French soldier is uh, effectively talking shit to the English soldiers and they shoot him and and everything. And then I think of the barricades and I'm like, you know what? Three Musketeers is good. I'm going to stick with Le Miserables because that that is the book. And then I thought, well, maybe if I go through this whole diatribe, I can really pick two books for number one. Three Musketeers and Le Miz Rob and Robin, I'll sneak it in under Jay's radar, which I just did. So <laughs> I've got Le Miz and Three Musketeers. Both different game but both, both essentially thirty years war time frame. Am I wrong in that? You got Richelieu fighting right, the man. Huguenots and you've got the Three Musketeers. Well that is Three Musketeers, but when is Le Oh no, that's a, no, French that's Revolution. Napoleon. Damn. Well, we already talked about Napoleon, so Let me will stay up there. As the best book ever written, and I'll talk about Three Musketeers. Now, most people's interaction with Three Musketeers are those movies, and the movies are fun, but there's nothing to be to compare to the the sheer kind of awesomeness of Victor Hugo serialized in small little adventures by these what are, amount to these four foot soldiers these musketeers who are i guess quasi elite but all they're doing is going around drinking dueling and having a lot of fun and there's a Mm -hmm. perfect rule set for this that's actually designed for the three musketeers i'm it's called on guard yeah osprey games and they actually have rules in here to field d'artagnan and all the guys and it's a good fun game it's it's much like that samurai game i mentioned last time called what's that samurai game called on guard's a lot of fun it's uh maybe four or five models depending on the type of guys you're fielding and you basically just go around and duel and try to have bar fights and whatnot yeah
0: ronin's the the name of that game
1: yes ronin that's it but both of these games allow you well they don't allow you to progress and gain stats or anything They give you If you don't want to field the three musketeers, you are the four musketeers, if you will. You don't have to. You can basically just make your guys up from from anything. And they do allow you some customization when you make them. And that's that's a lot of fun. Part of the fun of these things is building that army list. Um, Beyond that, if we're talking about that time period, there's Pike and Shot. There's Warhammer Renaissance period. I'm not a huge fan of Pike and Shot, but I do have a big army, a big pikeman army, a big musketeer army that I can use to go crush the Huguenots whenever I'm feeling particularly French. And that's always yeah. fun. But as for the models, you know, warlord or old glory the standby. Yeah.
0: And I stumbled across something. Um, I bought some warlord figures. I bought some uh, Gates of Antares figures for my daughter. Cause she showed some interest in painting yeah. and whatnot. And we need to get those figures back out. But anyway, they are sending me, they sent me a coupon for 15 bucks off. Mm-hmm. So for Father's Day. Cool. I thought, that's nice of them. So, of course, I went ahead and used <laughs> it. I was thinking, what am I going <laughs> to use this on? What am I going to use this on? I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. I remembered all of a sudden that they bought the Landsnecht models that a yeah. company called ProPatria yeah. were going to produce. They had Mm -hmm. the sculpts for their metal models all done. They had already completed the three-ups for Mm. a range of plastic models. And then when they launched their Mm. Kickstarter, their Kickstarter didn't fund. So they were kind of left in the lurch, and Warlord swooped in and picked everything up. Now, to my knowledge, Warlord has not done anything with the plastics yet, but they're going full guns with the metal figures. And I was able to pick up Mm. three... Well, they call it a regiment deal. It's three boxes or three sets of pikemen, Landsknecht pikemen, with uh, some character mm-hmm. figures. So I think it ends up being like just shy of thirty figures. So I got fifteen mm-hmm. bucks off that. Plus, if you mm-hmm. put in an order, I think it's in excess of thirty-five bucks, you get free shipping. So Warlord is—they've got it going on. If if you hit them at the right time. You can get some exquisite figures for not mm-hmm. a lot of money. I think the math ended up being I'm paying like a a dollar fifty nine a figure for these lands next.
1: That ain't bad at all. Uh,
0: I've got a long term project in mind of a, of a Renaissance game of lands next versus undead, mm-hmm. and and the uh, <laughs> the undead fun. figures are uh-huh. going to be from uh, Skull and Crown, the Skull and Crown uh, Renaissance skeletons. Mm-hmm. Just funded on Kickstarter, and yeah, I backed yeah, that. I saw that on your Facebook. Pretty guy, substantially, so. so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have a lot of skeletons running around. But uh, yeah, that's gonna be awesome.
1: What's that? I do not envy you painting those things. I said, I do not oh, envy you painting that? those things. Thinking about it, I said that. Yeah, the worst thing to paint would probably be French Napoleonic Calvary but now that you mentioned last next i um that that's going to be the worst I'm up for the thing, challenge. Ever.
0: Again, this is this is a long-term project. This is something i've thought about doing for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um and it, it's not a it's not a book yet, but i've got the i've got the the seed of a book based on this concept that i've been working on. But
1: oh cool. Anyhow. Um,
0: my number yes. 1 we're sticking with sci-fi for me yes i know that most of my list is sci-fi but that's how i roll hammers slammers by david drake now david drake was an intelligence officer in vietnam with uh i want to say he was with 11th armored cavalry regiment and that experience definitely shows in his writing uh it, it definitely comes out the universe that he's created um uh, the majority, well, not, maybe not the majority, but a significant amount of the combat that takes place is at the hands of mercenary units that are hired by a planet or a warring faction on a planet to conduct, you know, the dirty work for them. So, if I've got a dispute with the next county over, I might hire a platoon of dudes to help me out, or you know, if I've got a dispute with the next country over, I might hire a battalion or an entire regiment to help me out. Well, hammer slammers is one of those units and it's, okay. it's they're cracking good fun to read. Um, they're the signature signature piece of equipment for, for the hammer slammers are these heavy graph tanks, well, not graph tanks. They're actually uh, ground effect vehicles, hover tanks basically. And, um, Okay. They're very, they're very evocative. There's, there's a couple of companies that have done models for them. Uh, there's a comp- British company called Old Crow, did uh, actual official licensed models in 15 and 6 millimeter. Uh, Pico Armor do them in 3 millimeter. Okay. Um, I'd probably go with Pico because I want to do the larger battles that are described in some of the stories and most of these are short stories also short stories and novellas um okay. and they've got the they've okay. got the blowers and the combat cars for the slammers they've got all sorts of other sci-fi vehicles wheeled and tracked for some of the other units that are described in the in the stories uh, for the rules there was actually uh, some official hammer slammers rules that came out in the last couple years I could maybe go that way but I'd my standby is Dirt Side. Uh, dirt Side also by GZG, the same folks that did uh, Full Thrust. And uh, and again, it, it trips my trigger. It does what I want it to do. Uh, it's got kind of a neat damage yeah. allocation system. You, know, you roll to hit like you normally would. It's actually an opposed roll. So I roll a die, you roll a die, and if my die beats mm-hmm. your die, then I hit you. And then... To determine how much damage is done, you pull chits out of a bag or a cup corresponding to the strength of the weapon that you're using. So if you use like a a class 5 laser, you pull 5 chits out. And if I pull... Mm -hmm. And if the numbers on the chits... If the numbers on the chits are greater than the value of your armor, then I blow up your tank.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's pretty neat. Some people think it's it's slow, but oh, i, yeah. I kind of like the I kind of like the the tactile aspect of drawing the chits out. So
1: yeah, absolutely. Okay. No, but what I'm getting here is uh, what a medieval Italy vibe uh, kinda, with hover tanks,
0: kinda. Um, as far as like the mercenary units are concerned,
1: yeah, mercenary independent faction type. Yeah,
0: thing. He, he doesn't really go real deep into the politics of the universe. Okay. Um because, you know, the the different mercenary groups are hired for any number of reasons. You know, it, it might be a okay. trade guild that hires okay. them one week and then, you know, the next week they're hired by, by a completely different, you know, by a completely different faction on a totally different planet that has absolutely no quarrel with that trade guild. And yeah. uh you know there's bonding agencies and you know they've got rules of of conduct whenever uh mercenary groups fight each other and and stuff like that it's it's pretty interesting
1: i'll have to check it out Uh, sounds sounds fun oh yeah
0: hammer Slider, it's classic classic yeah that brings us to our honorable mentions rapid fire
1: rapid fire oh no i'm not good at rapid fire okay rapid fire let me look up rapid for us rapid for okay that that eases the tension a little bit okay uh, honorable mentions my first honorable mention is uh, War and Peace Mm -hmm. did I add that book just to throw out there that I read War and Peace maybe (laughs) probably (laughs) yes but it does give me a chance because I have read War and Peace Mm hmm I will say this about War and Peace. Good book. I mean, it's, it's it's the classic of classics, right? Right. But there is something I can appreciate with Tolstoy and War and Peace that you miss with Les Miserables, and that's this. If you read War and Peace and you get to any battle, there's a specific battle I'm thinking of, and if I'm running too long, tell me to shut up. No, go ahead. But any battle in Tolstoy always emphasizes the confusion and the chaos and pretty much the horror and you can tell from reading his accounts of these things that that he was in crimea (laughs) that when when the war was going on he's seen the horrors of of what happens um the thing that sticks out in mind especially the crimean war like that's not an easy thing for a russian lesser nobleman to to be a part of but there's one battle in in one peace that specifically just kind of Stands out that I always think of when I think of that book and it, it starts out by introducing like Ivan I don't know his name and I might have actually told the story before but I'll tell it again Ivan grew up on a chicken farm in Siberia I'm paraphrasing and he loved chickens and he loved his mother He loved his mother and he loved Elga, the his next door neighbor's daughter And they were going to get married and they get married and all of a sudden, Napoleon is marching east. So Ivan picks up and goes to fight for the Tsar and for God and, and for the, the motherland. And Ivan ends up in an artillery unit. He gives you the whole story of Ivan and you really feel for Ivan because he's just this guy, normal guy like, like anybody else. And you can really identify with Ivan if you've ever served, you really can. But Ivan ends up in this artillery fortification. I can't remember what battle it's at. Um, but Ivan's launching artillery and the French are coming, and Ivan dies in a ditch after about 40 pages of introducing Ivan to get you emotionally invested in Ivan, and that's Tolstoy on war. And it really, really contrasts against Les Mis, where that's not their approach to war at all. War in Les Mis is glorious. War in Les Mis is the sacrifice of the Frenchman in the graveyard just to to curse at the English that was like his last act of defiance was cursing that was a, a great moment that was the epitome of Frenchness on the barricades in Les Mis, they're standing up for what they believe in they might die but they're still standing up for what they believe in and is glorious and those those stark differences come into play very strongly it's always kind of stuck out in my mind um, when you have one guy who probably who, who has not Seen combat he's he's too old for the actual revolution he's, he's past napoleon's time and then you got tolstoy who's been a part of it and i bring this up because you know i like to talk about war and peace and the fact that i've read war and peace which i might not have mentioned and this game and i believe on this podcast y'all have had discussions about reality mm-hmm. in in these games and the fun aspect of these games and i thought it'd be a nice tight little bow to time up in, in a literary context on on our in our episode about books, where you have yeah, those two conflicting narratives, um, is that too deep? Is that too far? Ben? No,
0: I like it. Go ahead, run with it, baby. Run with it. <laughs>
1: That's about all I got. Um, okay, well stop. Running. Either way, I, I highly. What's up? Stop running with it. Stop dropping with it. Ditch it. Lateral pass, man. Lateral Stick pass. a fork um, in it. <laughs> <laughs> I say all like that to say. There's so much, especially in 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 those books, that are just ripe for digestion they really are especially in in the context where we're we're reading them if we're playing these games you know and we're garnering inspiration from these books yeah, absolutely or from these this music or from these movies that's you know that's there and yeah, a lot of fun now that was slightly depressing and i'll move it up one last notch my last honorable mention because i've pretty much got rid of all the rest let me look at my notes uh Yeah, this was not a novel. This one was actually going to be in my list. And I don't know if you've read it or not, but you made a comment about it. It's a book called Among the Thugs. Yes. Have you read this book? I have read this book. It's a fantastic book, isn't it? It is a
0: fantastic book.
1: uh, Phenomenal. It reads like a novel. Um, For the listeners who have not read Among the Thugs, this is an account of an American journalist who winds up one day on a train in the late 80s, early 90s, I'm not sure when, and that train gets taken over by soccer hooligans in England. They swarm the train. They trash the train. And they're basically assaulting this, this businessman on the train. And this journalist, it's a true story. This journalist decides, hey, why not? Let's join the soccer hooligans. So he kind of ingratiates himself with the Man- Manchester United fans and he goes off on a crazy adventure. Like, I say adventure. I was terrifying. A set of circumstances. He takes parts in in all the things that encompass what we think of as soccer hooliganism. He he goes to Italy and takes part in a famous riot as a result of a soccer game. He 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 admittedly hurts people. Um, he and he throughout the whole book he's describing how this happened to him, a normal guy, normal normal American guy who had really no interest in soccer. How one day he turned from that normal guy into someone that was willing to go to a foreign country and just beat up strangers. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I was going to have this in my list and use it as an opportunity to talk about Blood Bowl. I probably don't have time to that. Play Blood Bowl, new games, a lot of fun. But if you don't do that, read this book. And I'm sure Jay would agree. I do agree.
0: Yeah, it's a good book. It's been a while since I've read it. I read it when I was in college. Shortly before I read it, I read... Well, no, I hadn't read, but I had seen, of course, um, Fight Club. And yeah. it's almost like the prototype for Fight Club as far as what, I agree with what that. takes place. Now, granted, I yeah. understand that Fight Club was written under dur- different circumstances, and it's written as a, a critique of the modern American male with his... Yeah. With his Dual fascination with stuff, but also his fascination with destroying stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know, take that for what it is. But yeah, Among the Thugs is is a good book to say the least, and it's, yeah, it's definitely definitely worth taking a look for sure. And Blood Bowl is a good game. It's it's showing its age a little bit, but it's still a good game.
1: Oh, that's great. I'm painting. I'm looking at my ogre models right now. I got the ogre team set up. And my goal—I got, I got a league. Let me brag about this league, please. Like tw- twenty, twenty plus, maybe thirty players in this league. It's gonna run months. It's gonna be forever. And we have—they're <laughs> live casting these these games. We have announcers for these games. <laughs> not only do we have announcers, and we're live casting these games. We've got a uh, a football, a fantasy football nerd. Not like not like the elves fantasy football, but like the statistical fantasy football yeah. nerd who is drafting up rules so that we can play fantasy football, the statistics kind with our blood bowl players. I don't know how it's going to work. I'm going to take part. and It's going to be a lot of fun, but I promise you this. I'm the only person playing an over team. I am not going to win. I do not plan on winning. I plan on just bashing on people mm-hmm. and really that's winning in its own way. You know, right. I'm, Just gonna smash and smash and smash and without any care for the consequences. And that's how I that's I'm not very good at Blood Bowl, so I figure, you know, that's my easiest way to enjoy the game. Sure. Just make life miserable for everybody else. (laughs) Hey, you Uh, know what I don't play games like that normally, but Blood Bowl, that's the game to play like that.
0: You know, you you don't you don't have to have the same victory conditions as your opponent.
1: You're right. everybody can win you
0: know maybe just beating the spread (laughs) is your (laughs) yeah beating the spread might be your victory condition or beating the spreading out of (laughs) of your opponent
1: it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun
0: no my honorable mentions um i gotta say dune by frank herbert um dune is a book i tried reading when i was in high school and i found it to be a chore uh, mm-hmm. once I got into audiobooks and listening on audible i got the I got the audiobook for dune and thoroughly enjoyed it I don't know if it's just because I was older or it kind of had a radio play aspect to it or what but I really dug dune i i, I have always enjoyed the david Lynch movie version of dune Oh, uh, and it's so weird man it is but I love it <laughs> Flaws and all, I love it. Yeah.
1: And I don't know much about Dune. All I know is giant worms, alien planet, and blue eyes. That's all I know about Dune. I've always been meaning to read it, but I didn't mean to interrupt.
0: You're halfway there then. The uh the distinct look of the Fremen with the still suits is captured mm. perfectly in the old Necromunda Van Sar figures. The Van Sar yeah. gang. They were the they're the guys that were good at tech. And they had all the tech yeah. stuff for their for their advancements, and they looked like Fremen. They just did.
1: Uh, I got to Google Fremen now.
0: Your your Mordian Imperial Guardsmen are going to be perfect for the Atreides House troops. Uh, now
1: for the Harkonnen. Oh my gosh, what's that? He said the Mordian guys. My guys.
0: Yeah, your guys. They'll be yeah. perfect for the House Atreides troops the okay. House Harkonnen is going to be a little bit more difficult if you want to match the look of the movie um, mm. you could do a lot worse than maybe using some sanitized Games Workshop Space Marines You know, and by mm. sanitized I mean take all the, the skulls and the eagles off um, yeah. well heck maybe just the original the original Beaky Marines maybe that that might do the trick so there's there's definitely something there as far as rules are concerned. Oh, you could do you could do any sci-fi game really. Uh, you could even do a sci-fi version of Chain of Command. Um, things might get a little weird with the well with the weirding modules, with the weirding you know combat with weird with the with the weirding. But yeah, that's all right. Roll with it. Roll with it. <laughs> the other one's gonna be Conan. You know, you gotta love, you gotta Hell love yeah. Conan. There's a there's a Conan adventure board game that came out recently. The Kickstarter went huge on it. They had so many stretch mm. goals, and they were blowing past stretch goals left and right. Um, mm. I think that if you actually, if you backed it to the max, you're gonna end up with literally hundreds of figures and hundreds of of uh, board game tiles to make battlefields out of. Cool. if you want to do a skirmishy thing if you want to do a bigger battle again there's all kinds of fantasy rules out there available so we won't rehash that but Copplestone Castings has a great line of 15 millimeter barbarians and they are almost exact copies of the 28 millimeter stuff that Mark Copplestone did for Grenadier back in the 90s and then there's an Italian company called Merloton that are doing those figures now, and you can you can get them. It's not impossible to get, but um, just real real evocative. I mean, they're they've got guys on horses, sure, but they've also got guys on the backs of giant tigers. Cool. So that's automatically cool, cool. right there.
1: Yeah, if you're going Conan, you go over the top, man. Oh yeah, you have to.
0: And then your opponents yeah. can be any. E. Any historical or fantasy figures you want, because yeah. you, know, you just do what you want. So,
1: I need to read some more here.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely.
1: I haven't thought about that. a So ages.
0: that's <laughs> that's that's our top faves. Stroll through the stacks at your local small mom and pop bookshop in the in the fantasy and sci fi and historical fiction aisle. Yep. Once again, Dave Tubbs, thanks for coming on the show. I Really appreciate it.
1: Oh no, thanks for having me, man. Uh...
0: Good luck with the little one.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> Good luck with yours, man, with the the camp thing coming up.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to it. So, on that note, as always, if the wargaming you're having isn't any fun, you make it fun. That is all. Veteran Wargamers Copyright J Arnold twenty seventeen. Join the conversation at the Veteran as well as on Facebook and Twitter. Music Courtesy of bensound.com